RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff, easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description Another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. How we doing, everybody? How you doing there, Kevin? Ready for another good one, my man. You Look gotta wake you up. All, I know. I I appreciate how excited you are. This is adorable. It's like you're you're back from vacation. You look less crappy. You're ready to go. I am rested and relaxed, and since I got off the plane, I have an entire to-do list that's getting checked off, including another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles, episode fifty-one. Get you some. Get some. Excited to be here with everybody tuning in. Uh, we've got some good questions that came through while I was on vacation in Belize. Believe it or not. Belize it or not. Belize me. I was having fun in Belize drinking some Belican beer, which is the beer of Belize. It's uh, probably equal to a Bud Heavy. Um, while you were gone, side note, this is completely irrelevant. Uh, Bud Light made a made a seltzer, and has been blowing away all the White Claw people. Kind of exciting. I think it's exciting. Never if mind. you're into that sort of thing, yeah. Well, it's just hey, you were. You know, I'm a Bush Light guy through and through. So that's why I'm saying they're just dominating. Wow, good for them. I mean, Anheuser Busch. Around it was, it. so, uh, like, long story short, it was made around the corner from where we grew up. That's oh, what's cool about it. That is cool. Yeah. Nice. Ballinsville. Brewed in Ballinsville. Raised around the world. And that's what yeah, we say buddy. around here. All right. Let's do this thing. So we'll talk about Belize here in a second, but I want to give a big old shout out to Yukonuba, one of the sponsors of our show, good friends of ours, and I'm very excited. They're taking us to SHOT Show, baby. Old Lone Duck Bob is going to SHOT Show uh, in like a week, I guess. Old Bob. Will he make it back from Vegas? 
Yes, I have to. I have no choice. But we're going to Shot Show. I'm very excited. We're going to see a lot of friends from other worlds. My friends at Dog Tour will be there, so I'm sure I'll bounce to their booth and say hello. Um, but I'm super excited just to be a part of it. This is my first time at Shot Show. I'm a Shot Show newbie, and uh, so you could come and check us out. So thank you to Yukonuba for bringing me on for that. That'll be fun. But in the meantime. I want to give the old you can do it. Have you guys tried it yet? I want to get a little feeler out there from our podcast listeners. If you could shout us a little note, little DM on Instagram, have you given it a try yet? Are you having a hard time finding it? I know you can get it shipped to your place via Chewy.com, so that's not an excuse to give it a try. But there's so many different formulas for the different stages of your dog's career, being puppy, um, adult, or if your dog's a real workhorse, get that 30-20 performance blend. Or if you've got a, an older dog, I'm actually thinking, I was just spur of the moment thought, I'm going to put Buck on their senior formula. They're seven years plus. Are you? That'll be good for him. Well, the sucker's like 10 years old, and I just, I, it's got all the right stuff. It just doesn't have as much of the... I don't know what you want to call it, but... Go like, get it. The, yeah, all the good things that the Young dogs need for high performance. They backed that off a little bit and added other supplements and dietary needs for an older dog. And I'm a little embarrassed that I haven't done that switch for him to give him a little bit more of that older dog needs sooner. So I'm going to do that. So he's going to be on Uke Good. Older Formula for the senior dogs. So if you've not tried it yet, hey, baby, you can do it. Give it a try. Get on Chewy.com. Get to your local stores. See what formula works for you and your dog and test it out. Give it 60 to 90 days. That's the optimum time to start seeing improvement in coat, in teeth, and in their performance. So go on your Yukonuba challenge. I'm challenging you. They didn't ask me to do this. I want to hear from you. Give it 60 to 90 days and try it and tell me that you're not pleased with the difference. Okay. Second up, Gunner Kennels. These guys are super cool. If you haven't followed them on Instagram, I don't know where you've been living, but at Gunner Kennels, they just got back from Honey Break. And again, if you've been living under rock, you don't know where that is. That's a super sweet place down in Louisiana. And they smashed ducks. They took his chocolate lab, Gunner, and tons of great pictures. And you should go and follow them on Instagram and see their their storyline there but stud products we're really proud to have them as a podcast sponsor and we use it all the time and and promote it if you're interested in getting into a gunner kennel again you can shoot us an email or direct message and we'll get you and your dog hooked up and lastly is waypoint outdoor collective and you know guys these these uh guys hook us up with analytics so we can stay in tune with what we're doing well what what isn't doing well and we're staying in touch with you so Big thank you to Waypoint Outdoor Collectives for all they do for us. And so let's get into the show. Yeah. So you just got back. I just got off the plane. Uh, midnight last night. Really? Late midnight flight. last night. Ouch. Yeah. Is what it is. Woke yeah. up this morning, got to the grind, back at it, feeling good. Um, so everybody, if you hadn't seen on Instagram... Um, around this time of year, all the dogs go home for hunting season, finish up my program, obedience dogs are done, what have you, and my girlfriend and I take a trip. She just gave you a wave. Carrie did? Yeah. What's up, Care? 
<laughs> Good trip. <laughs> Should have had her come talk about the trip. Yeah, believe you me, that would have been fun. So, anyways, we had a fantastic trip. Um, there was many fun things that happened. Uh, I was in a drinking contest. I did not win. I got second place. I and I lost to a fifty-something-year-old African-American man named Albert. And Albert some mashed those beers. I was very impressed with Albert. Albert's Albert Albert was a jammer. baller. Let's just say he was the sleeper. Really? Yeah, there was a huge fat guy that looked like he was in a frat next to me over here. So I'm thinking, this guy's, you know guys that can like open their throat yeah. and put it down in one? Yeah. I figured the fat frat guy was that kid. <laughs> then I had a skinny hippie kid right here. I knew I had him beat. He looked, he sipped that beer. And then Albert, I couldn't see. Okay, I couldn't see him in my blind spot. Well, I mean, I'm like this, right? Well, okay, all right. So they put two, they're called Bellican beers, and it's the beer of Belize. The only way I can equate it is like a Bud Heavy. Um, And they were ice cold and in bottles. And normally in my days... I got to be honest, I did not think this was going to be a topic covered on nah, tonight's show. No, but it show. happened. It's it, here. Well, no. it's here. <laughs> People want to know about okay. it. So, Somebody said they're really proud of you. Second well, place don't the, be because he lost. Yeah, second place I'm is the not. first loser to Albert, the older, <laughs> like, what the heck, Albert? Sleeper is what I'm trying to Yeah, he, he was the just, sleeper. Yeah, you didn't Come think behind. he was skinny, he was little. How did Albert beat me? <sighs> Anyways, so Albert's off to my side, so I couldn't see how fast he was going. So I get my first one down, pick up my next one. And I'm, I'm like two gulps away from being done, and they start cheering for Albert. And I'm like, God, you're a loser. you got to be kidding me. Now, meanwhile, this guy is like <laughs> sipping the beer. <laughs> he, he hadn't even touched the second one yet. And this guy had just started his second one, and I'm two gulps away with my second. And I, also, side note, we had just eaten a huge lunch, and I'd already had a few cold ones. So I'm... My stomach is full. It sounds like an excuse. They Bunny Snipes just joined, so I hope Bunny gives you a hard time about losing. Hey, Bunny knows what happens in Belize, okay? Bellican beers and other things. So, long story short, Albert carries videoing me, which I have. I, if I had won this, this was going all over the world. That, that was going to hit a million views. But Albert was pouring beers out behind his head. So when you finished your beer, you had to put it on top of your head to show that there was no foam or anything. He was putting it behind his head and spilling beer out. And Carrie was the only one that caught him cheating. So now, I did not only get beat by a 50-year-old, he also was wily in his old age. Yeah, I, to see, like, I respect that. That's a man who wants to win. What did, I win what did Albert win? Probably another beer. I don't know. Well, that's worth He it. won a few little little trinkets from the bar. But... Long story short, I let you all down, and I 100%. I talked about it the whole day. I was very disappointed. I'm even talking about it on the podcast. I barely slept. This has been on my mind, so I'm going to get back into my shape, my my Bellican beer drinking shape, so that I can go back and beat Albert. I'm going to find him and challenge him. Well, Bunny said that it sounds like a lot of excuses. and Bunny, I agree. Uh, that's all right. But uh, you also we did some really fun. cool fishing. Yeah, so tell me about your fishing trip. So we went on, we took this tour. These guys were pretty cool guys. They were it was kind of like Rasta, right? Like they they are sort of Caribbean. Their inland is jungly, but we were on some islands and they were 
not obviously Jamaican, but you get that Rasta, Bob Marley. Yeah, yeah. You know, feel. That sort um, of vibe. Yup. So these two guys, a little bit older than I am, worked for someone else on a fishing charter, taking people out, tour guide stuff, and quit and bought their own boat. And they started this thing called the Survivor Trip. And basically, you start off on the far side of the reef, and you deep sea fish, if you will. Um, it wasn't like downriggers and going after tuna like you see on TV, but it was kind of like jigging with a live bait that we caught with a cast net. They they caught, um, what are those, sardines. Yeah, yeah. People don't like to eat sardines with a cast net in the shallows. Crazy people eat those on pizza. I don't know. I kind of want to start trying. I feel like you're a man if you eat sardines. Yeah, or a nutcase, but keep going. Grandpa Casey eats them. <sighs> exactly. My point. He's a man. All right, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. Colonel the Marines, he eats sardines. I'm going to start eating sardines. I All respect right. that. Keep going. Anyways, so we catch these sardines. We fly out past the reef, and we start fishing. My first drop down, I catch a sizable barracuda. First barracuda I've ever caught ever seen i've actually seen them before uh in bahamas spring break 2000 don't remember eight seven eight good life story yep but caught the barracuda or hooked a barracuda barracuda. now this thing was so much fun to catch it would it would you know i'd be reeling it in and then it'd yank my arm down and start spinning and and taking out the drag and just flying and you know, it'd tire out for a second. I'd reel it back in and then take it back out. Super fun fight. And then, you know, as you're bringing it up from the deep, you see that, like, silver of the fish. And you're like, oh, all right, we got it. Yeah. Here it comes. And it's it, – it was big. Like, I'm bragging right now because just to try and give you the awe of reeling this thing in. Like, sometimes you reel in a fish that you think is big because it's oh, yeah. good. And it's like, ah, oh, really? That's well, it? it was just a normal bass. Yeah. Like, son of a bitch. That thing was just average. No, this thing was sizable. It's a barracuda. I just assume that all barracudas are awesome. So I asked the guy, I'm like, so on a scale of like 1 to 10, how big is this thing? And he was like an 8. There are bigger ones, but this was a good one. So I was fired up about that. We put that in the the live well for food. So anyways, the Survivor Tour, we do the quote-unquote deep sea on that side of the reef. Then we bring it in. In the meantime, we had caught a trigger fish. And two red snapper. So, like, what's a trigger fish look like? Mm, I don't really know. It's a weird-looking fish. Almost. It's good enough. Big fish, little fish. Not big, not little. Yeah, I don't know. Google it, Kevin. I don't know. It looked like a trigger fish. I'd never seen one before. So, then we got two red snapper. So, our, like, lunch is done. We're all good. Yeah. How long were you out for? uh, Carrie actually started to get a little seasick. Because the waves were rocking out there. And she was hurting. So, long story short, after maybe an hour and a half or so, she said she'd had enough. We drove in to the reef. And we started snorkeling for lobster. So, the guide, you get these spears that look like tridents. And a rubber band thingy on the end of them. And you draw the rubber band down and, like, release it. And it shoots that spear into the reef crack where the lobster is poking out and you stab that lobster and like pull it out and you got a lobster. It was super cool. 
So he catches like two and shows us how to do it. And, you know, you're, you're diving down and equalizing your breath so you can stay down longer and not pop your ears. So you like blow out your ears and super awesome experience. And I miss one. Now I'm like, hey, all right. Now I don't want him to show me where they are. I want to find it myself and I want to get it myself. So I kind of swim off and I'm trying to find my own. And I ended up getting one. Carrie ended up getting one and he got eight. So, so say that again. So you, well, you just left the room, so I can't say it again. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna ask a question. I probably already said. So you stab these lobster. That's what I was gonna ask. So it, it wasn't like a you just go down and catch it like it's a sea cucumber or something, right? Yeah, you, you gotta stab like them with a trident. Them out. Welcome to the party, Kevin. That's pretty awesome, <laughs> dude. It was sweet. Okay, I got was it, it like, on the GoPro. Really? Yeah, you're gonna be fired up to see that. All right, we're gonna have to show that somewhere. Yeah. So. Anyways, I got one, Carrie got one, he got eight. So it shows you what talent and skill can do, finding them and killing them when she and I got one to his eight. Sure. How big were they? Full-size lobsters. They were not like the main lobsters like we eat sure. up here. They're Caribbean looking. I don't know. They didn't have huge claws. They're kind of white and reddish and speckled. Really? Yep. Really cool looking. Tasted amazing. So now Pretty we fresh. go in even further and he finds an octopus so carrie got to spear an octopus what yes she also just chimed in on instagram i think that's the emoji she sent along was what? ask about the octopus yeah <laughs> <laughs> so carrie so he's like oh octopus so we get back out of the boat jump back in get the snorkels on and he the octopus had gotten up under this tiny little i mean like two inch crack well aren't they like mice where they can kind of like yeah, shrink their body. This thing was the size of a football in terms of its head and body, and then tentacles, and it's shriveled down into a two-inch crack under where you would never even know he was. So he's like trying to get this thing out. It took him probably ten minutes, fifteen minutes to get this octopus out, and here she comes in with her trident spear and smokes it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and not legit. surprising. Carrie's pretty badass, but what um, she's cool. Yeah. So, all right. But, so like, now we was got it like one a spear octopus. gun where you like be spear fishing, or was it like a like a gig where you just kind of like jab? Exactly. It? It's just like a gig, but it had a rubber band on it, so you would pull the rubber band tight and then slingshot. Got, it okay, I got okay. you. So again, while you were out of the room, <laughs> it's called a Hawaiian sling. Carrie said, "Oh, good job, Carrie. Way to be a part of this." <laughs> uh so, anyways, by the way, everyone, we're on Instagram Live if you're listening yeah, yeah, yeah. and are realizing how all these people like Bunny and Carrie are chiming in. Uh, we're on Instagram you Live. You should join Instagram Live next time. Yeah. At Lone Duck. So, anyways, now our trip is complete for the water portion. Now they take us to this beach, which in the advertisement was a secluded beach where they build you a fire and cook you. Oh, no. Fast forward. Rewind. My bad. So he cut up a couple of the lobster, and we caught some conch, like those shells. Really? Right? So they made a conch and, or conch, I don't know how you pronounce it, whatever. Meh. Uh, and lobster ceviche, fresh out of the ocean. Really? So while we're driving to the beach spot, he's making ceviche, and we're eating ceviche from what we literally just caught. Super sweet. Yeah, that's cool. So now we go to the secluded beach spot, right? Super romantic, awesome beach fire place. 
It's his parents' house on the beach. <laughs> it's like, he just lives you know in the basement though? down by a river. I, you know I what get though? it. You do what you got to do. He's, yeah, he's starting a business. He's got a hustle, so yeah. he's got a beach spot. Get it. But it really was cool. It started to rain a little bit, so we were under the canopy of, of the you know the backyard, if you will, on the beach. It really was pretty. And out of coconut husks, he built a fire, and we cooked barracuda, red snapper, lobster, and ate unbelievable meal. We had rum punch, which apparently had rum in it first, and then we added rum, which they said we really didn't need to, but we did. Trying so to have a good time. Dude, so good. Delicious meal all around, and it was like an all-day excursion. So the whole That's day really cool. we were on the water and on this beach and just eating what we caught, you know, two hours before that barracuda was swimming in the ocean. Now it's over a fire, over a bed of vegetables and juices and unreal. So that was sweet. Uh, we did a cave tour where we saw some Mayan, like, remains from spiritual, what do they call them? Help me out. Sacrifices. Right? Ooh, so they that's would. a little aggressive. It was. There were some skeletons. Really? It, it, dude, it was super cool. 800 meters into the earth of this cave, we crawled and, like, swam. Half a mile? Yes, that would be half a mile. But you're, like, you know, you're taking this tour and you're seeing sure. cool stuff. And you got a thing on your head, a headlight on, headlamp on your head, and you're cruising through this cave. And then you get to the, you're not even at the end of the cave, but you're at the ruins, if you will. Beginning of, yeah. And there's, you start seeing pottery from 600 A.D., 950 A.D., and then you climb up this embankment and hike even further in, and there's skeletons where they would sacrifice people to the underworld gods for, like, a better year next year, right? Super cool. That was really drawing trip. the short stick. Yeah, 13-year-old girl. Gone. Hmm. Sacrificed. Hot. Carbon dating and all that good stuff they found out? Or? That's exactly what it was. Yep, carbon dating. Huh. Um, what else did we do? Carrie, chime in. Feel free to chime in on Instagram Live. I forget. She just said bunny for president. <laughs> big bunny fan. She's a big bunny fan. Uh, I bet bunny likes that, too. Oh, I'm sure he does. He has uh, he has what else did we do? Uh, we did kite surfing. We learned how to kite surf. Really? Yep. That was harder than it looked, but... They said, like, three days in, or three sessions you would be able to get up on the board and, like, cruise. And yeah, we, listen. We only had Salesman. One. Of course, we need to buy two more. Right. Well, <laughs> no, we really couldn't have done it. But it was fun. That was a neat experience. We ate great food. We drank some beer. Drank some rum punch. Panty rippers. I did not know what these were. It's basically pineapple juice and rum, and that's a panty ripper. And I bet I drank a thousand of them <laughs> because they're not super strong, and I like pineapple juice, so it was like getting my vitamin C. And I mean, that's just trying to be healthy. I'm just trying to be healthy, everyone. So really fun time. But now we're back. The trip was fantastic, but now we're back, and it's go time, grind time. Yeah, it's 2020 goals. We're sneaking in a podcast because you got a lot going on, but it's all good stuff. Like. It's nice to relax and unwind, and then I genuinely get back feeling ready to hit the ground running. So why don't we – what are you looking at? What are you reading? Bunny just said he just got back from New Orleans. and Oh, yeah, Bunny went to see Clemson lose. Ouch. 
Good job, Bunny. Yeah. How'd sucks, that go for sucks you? Sucks to suck. Yeah. Well, be better. <laughs> <laughs> Should eat some some gumbo while you were there. Made it made it a little bit better. Yeah. Some gumbo. That's all right. Anyways, let's get into yeah. some questions. Well, so I want to know what. So, so we're going south. We you oh. you're going south. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, I guess, was my my point on sneaking in a podcast. Or no, not tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, Thursday, Thursday morning, you're going. Uh, well, tomorrow because it's going to launch tomorrow. Nice. And uh, what is the game plan over the next couple months? What are we doing? Uh, what it, like where are you going to be? Because, surprise, we're going to be doing some offshore podcasting. I'm going to be calling in Bob, doing some yeah, two-way phone a call. Again. So, you know. But we also have a great guest list for 2020, yeah, which buddy. I'm fired up about. We've got some really big-name people in the industry that have agreed to be a, po- a part of our podcast. So, just, I'm just we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, we're going to have a good time with it. There's going to be some cool stuff here in the near future. But the goals for 2020 continue to bring podcasts to the world and help people can continue to bring fun people on the podcast. So you all listen how they got their start and training tips from them. Um, you know, the kennel right now is pretty much max capacity. Like I'm fully booked. And so it's not necessarily to grow that way, but I want to continue to improve as a dog trainer and, and train with guys who I believe are better than me and pick up tips from them. I want to bring more dogs to the master national next year we have well safe if anybody remembers safe one of the dogs we got a master title on this summer she had her litter of puppies and they are all sold everybody's healthy though it's good Everybody's healthy yeah they're three days old she had four girls and three boys and they're all sold and spoken for ember has been bred the chesapeake who went to the master national and got a plate um when do we find out so that was what i was going to say i don't know i think it's like two or three weeks from now we can take her in for an ultrasound and find out if she was if she is pregnant and then we'll list the litter and if people would like to get on a phenomenal chesapeake bay retriever hunting hunt test lines like these will be real deal yeah i mean if if you really are wanting a chesapeake and you want it to be a hunting dog and want to play hunt test games or think about it this is the one to get um so you know stay tuned on facebook and instagram for that and the podcast i'm sure so that'll be exciting um cruise should be coming into heat any time now which is brew's mother and the mother of our puppies from last year and we are going to be breeding her again to a really nice male um good looking dog great family dog and has picked up thousands of ducks and um so they're going to produce nice hunting companion Family dog, hunt test competitors. Excuse me. Had a question come in about who the sire is for the possible ember. That letter. dog's name is Hank. and Hank, That's a good dog name. Yeah. Hank is a master hunter, qualified all age, which is a field trial. Um, and he's also the only Chesapeake in history to be best in show and have those same titles. So Handsome devil. So, yeah. So, he's got looks and the capabilities to play big dog games as a retriever and he hunts his butt off too. So good disposition, a lot of drive. Ember has a lot of drive, but she's more like, I don't know, like level headed. Yeah. I was going to say, she doesn't get overly crazy and stupid um, and make mistakes. She's very level headed. So I think Hank, from what I hear, uh, Hank has a lot more drive. And so we might get 
not that he's crazy and makes mistakes, but sure. I'm, you can't if you're playing that level. But I'm I'm saying he's he's going to up that drive a little bit. I think yeah, yeah. And it's going to be a really nice combination of looks wow. and performance. Um, and Hank is from Next Generation Gun Dogs, which is where Ember's from. So Adam Levy is uh, producing some really nice Chesapeake's, and so that's the breeding. It's going to be sweet. And cruises will be nice, too. So if you're interested in a pup, that's coming down the line. I'm excited for those things to kind of be a part of 2020. Yeah. And then in April, we'll be home back in central New York, mid-April-ish, and ready to rock up here again. We had a question come through. Uh, do you think we'll be able to breed Memphis? What's what's on the Memphis horizon? Uh, mm, good question. Memphis, I don't know. That's just crap answer. I don't know. Um, I did some ultrasounds on her before Christmas and everything. Because she's five years old and has very irregular heat cycles. Right. And so she's not like a normal female that comes in once or twice. Like twice a year is the average. Once a year is less average but not uncommon to be like nine months and nine months and nine months type of thing. Um. And she's come in like maybe three times in her five years. So long story short, I just wanted to do a little check on things to see if things are working down there. And from the ultrasound, everything's good. So we actually did tweak her diet. She went from the 30-20 to the adult blend and is getting some herbal supplements to try and help hormone levels and, and see how that can maybe work. Um, little, what is it? Is that Western medicine or Chinese medicine? I don't really know. Either way, we're just trying some different things to balance out hormones and see if that will spur a heat cycle. And if it does, then we will breed her. If it doesn't in a certain amount of time, I don't know what decision I'll make, whether I'll breed her and say master national is out next year. Cause you got to play that, you know, she's going to be pregnant. That'll cut into competition time. It'll also could cut into like October. So I don't know. I, I hope. I hope we have puppies from Memphis. I want one. I want everyone to have one. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, we got to see. Um. So that's awesome. We got a few busy couple months coming up, uh, and really getting back to the grind. So it'll be good. Uh, uh, dealer's choice. You want to go after a couple questions we had come in over your whatever trip you want, bud. Or all right. Well, why don't we do this then, Mumpy? Mumpy bird dog. I I kind of hope your dog's name is Mumpy. It's a great name. Mumps. Uh, My I have lovely a, lady Mumps. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I have a bird crazy short hair that does not retrieve. Is it okay to let the drive propel duck search now in four special later? He's a year and a half year old. What do you think? Hmm. I read that word for word. So Mumpy. I might need my a mumpy little, buddy. Uh, I might need more. Follow up a little bit, but so he's crazy for birds. Yep, hasn't done force fetch. And say it again. Read it again. I'm sorry. That does not retrieve. So mumpy's I'm assuming, mumpy the dog. Whatever is a crazy short hair that does not retrieve. Uh, is it okay to let the drive propel the duck search and force fetch later? He's a year and a half year old. What would you do? I would force. I, you're asking me what I would do, so I'll tell sure. you. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You know, I would continue to work on building retrieve drive, but 
duck search isn't a retrieve. It's go out and hunt. So does he have enough hunting desire to leave your side and swim? That's not really an easily innate thing for some of a dog like that, probably. So I would think force fetch and then force to water and pile work and things like that where you're teaching him he doesn't have a choice, but then it's a, there's a positive to that, uh, which is finding a bird. And he's bird crazy, so it'd be an easy, you know, uncomfortable, comfortable, com- or uncomfortable, comfortable, and praise or, you know, the reward at the end for doing the work. So my answer would be I would keep training and maybe do what he's suggesting. I don't, I really don't even know what he's saying, but maybe I would work on like little duck searches. Yeah. So it's highly successful, short stuff where he's just hunting a swamp and finds multiple birds and I'd salt and pepper it. So there's birds everywhere and he just wins it and goes out and finds them and make it impossible for him to fail. But in the meantime, I would build the blocks, right? Like you can't, I can maybe get there a different way, but if you build chains and remember the chink in your armor podcast we were talking yeah, yeah. like that's not a chink in the armor that doesn't even make sense yeah if the links that you've built are not in line then there's going to be a weak one or a brittle one or not one at all and some as you progress and maybe have skipped a step that's going to come b- back and bite you in the butt somewhere so i would say in my opinion i would go through a force fetch and force program teach it while you're still having fun doing these other things to have a base layer and progressing with that base layer over here of duck search, but I would incorporate force work on an, in different sessions where now you can increase the difficulty of your duck search because he has to, and he's learned that it's positive too. Sure. Uh, another good one came through when I send my, uh, Eric, Asks, when I send my dog on the back pile, she will spin in circles if I use pressure. She doesn't do it always, just kind of at random. Do you have any advice? I've had this uh, a few times. Um, man, that's hard. There's a, there's a few things, and I've also talked about this in previous podcasts. Training is a finesse game. So it's not like making a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I tell you to, you know, if I just say you get two pieces of bread and peanut butter and jelly and you make, that's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You'd be like, well, if I, you don't even know about bread. Well, how do you get bread? We go to a store and you buy a loaf and you take two pieces of bread out of that loaf of bread and you lay them open. And then you get a knife and you open the peanut butter and then you take the knife and you scoop peanut butter and then you slowly smear it. So I'm finessing how to make a peanut butter sandwich, right? I'm showing you, right? But that's – training isn't that step-by-step and simple. This dog is probably spinning because it doesn't understand the pressure, is confused, and is creating a – doing a behavior to escape pressure or whatever. The dog probably doesn't even know why it's doing it. There's no – rhyme or reason other than it's doing it so i guess that whole peanut butter thing was probably stupid but my point is i i I, it's a finesse game so i can't just give you a do this it'll be fixed tomorrow or do this and in a month it'll be fixed what i've done that has been successful 
is simplify and move closer to the pile. And I've also nicked when they spend, right before they spend. So I will incorporate, depending on the dog's reactions to different sends, I might send with a firmer voice. I might send with a gentler voice. I might walk, take a step forward, and send the dog while I'm stepping forward, creating movement. And as I'm moving forward and saying back, that dog is already moving and going, and now all of a sudden that spin stops. Okay, so now for a couple of days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, and it doesn't spin. And then I'm going to stand still and send it, and for three it doesn't spin, and on the fourth it spins. Okay, well, I'm going to start walking again. Sure. There's, But I would say in simplest form, I would say get closer to your pile. I would maybe revisit a little bit of walking fetch and sending it like ladder fetch where you've got your walking fetch, a bumper five feet from you, f- 10 feet from you, 15 feet from you, and you do ladder fetch, okay, and and stay on that for a little bit. I would have it be very black and white with a white pole and a white bucket or a white milk jug, white bumpers, short grass, black and white that there's a pile of bumpers. It's not hidden. It's simple. Um, these are things like I'm thinking in my head of like maybe he's got it in taller grass and the dog doesn't see bumpers. Sure. So if you put bumpers where he can see them, the dog will stop spinning. It might He might be doing all the perfect things that I'm just saying and stating. And the dog's still spinning because it's just doing it. So now, let's say he's done all those perfect. White bucket, white pole, white bumper, short grass. He's gone back to walking fetch and gone back to ladder drill and short force to piles. And and the dog still spins. Again, one thing I would do is maybe walk the dog towards the pile and say back with a little nick. I would... I sometimes will intermix my pressure. So sometimes they get freebies. Sometimes they get nicks. Sometimes they get continuous. Sometimes you've got to give them straight continuous and just burn them through it. Yeah. Which that might make it worse. Like it kind of has a higher likelihood of making it worse, but it also could fix it right away. It depends on the dog. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's a finesse thing. So if you're noticing that things are getting a little out of control here, stop, go backwards, take a deep breath. Do not lose your patience. Do not crank it up. Just you're troubleshooting this issue, which is why you're asking me the question. Yeah. Um, but I, I've had it and I've fixed it. And some dogs will still like turn and look back at you, back, Nick, back. Um, sometimes it's just verbal back instead of giving it a Nick. And that's enough for it to turn its head back around, keep driving straight. And then generally speaking, not even generally, every dog that I've had to do it doesn't do it anymore. So I guess I've fixed it. And through repetition, through building confidence, through them understanding what you're asking of them, that should get fixed. We had a couple of good duck search questions come through, and then we're going to jump into a couple that we had come through uh, from while you were gone. But uh, real quick, Josh was wondering if you thaw out birds before you do a duck search. Thaw them out? Yeah. Any reason why, or just you happen to have them? That's thawed just what I do. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, mine are thawed out. I, I would say there are times I've used live ducks, and I'll tape their wings and tape their bills and tape their feet, like basically fully shackled duck that can kind of bob around a little bit. Um, which 
that can help get a dog's attention when it's searching and smelling and all of a sudden it sees it and sure. it'll, you know, boom. And now it's a live bird and it's even more excited and that success raises up. So I've, I've done that. I don't do it every time. Some people I know do. I think that's unnecessary. I definitely salt and pepper the area. So if they get far enough and they try hard enough, they're going to win the bird and be successful. Um, and then I would have it, I wouldn't have it be rock hard, solid, frozen, straight from a freezer. I would have it be mildly thawed out, if not fully thawed out. Are you ready for the segue? Because you talked about duck drive and, and getting them geared up for this. Next question. Does practice duck search lead to less drive or a little more drive? And does any of this negatively affect real life hunting situations? People are wondering about like, if I'm doing a duck search, does this make people make their dog not care about it because they got to take 20 minutes to try and find the duck or is it something that really like cranks it up? Like how do you deal with that sort of thing? Okay. I don't know how that's a segue. I don't know. It made sense in my head. It did. My, dude, you heard my peanut butter thing earlier. That he, made yeah. sense in my head. And yeah, then after right. I listen, we all win and we all lose. Yeah. I generally still will win <laughs> first year losing. Me. But who's keeping track? Well, me. But yeah. uh, what do you think about that? All right. So I'm going to rephrase the question because I think I know what they're getting at, but I don't think it was clear how you said it. I think these people are worried that a duck search, which could be very difficult and boring would hinder a dog's drive to like actually do it like they could kind of care less i don't know the answer i'm trying to rack my brain to give a good answer but i think if a dog is six likes to hunt likes to find birds and i don't put pressure there's only with my duck search like how i've done it and again i'm not a navda pointer professional I've done a few, and I've been successful at it. I've just taken what I've learned in the retriever world and molded it into a pointing world and learned from some really good pointing guys and then said, that doesn't work. Like, I don't like that. I'm going to tweak this and pull this and push this. What people have to remember is force work isn't a necessarily a negative. It's, it's just teaching them that they have to do it and that the positive on the other end is awesome. So, like, hey, that wasn't super great. Oh, this was? All right. Oh, that wasn't super great. Oh, this was? And then, oh, this was? Oh, this was? And all of a sudden, they're like, hell, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And so I'm building confidence and strength and drive and and willingness to please me and work hard and find that reward at the end of the tunnel. And so, to me, I haven't had a dog yet that hated duck search and hated doing it and that it it, it took drive away because all my other avenues of training, throwing a lot of marks, running in fields and pointing pigeons and chucker and pheasants and whatever, has been a lot of positives. And then all of a sudden, holy cow, if I stay out here, I'm successful and I find this awesome duck. Like maybe for this person, that question would be great to have a live shackle duck out there. And yeah. that dog's like, woo-wee, a live bird, bang, I got right. it. That might up the ante. It's defi- It could. Now, I've seen some dogs who are more nervous about live birds, True. and it freaks them out. So you got to figure that out, right? Like, I don't know your dog, but I would say most of them, it'll increase drive and increase excitement, not take away. Um, so the only time in a duck search I put pressure on a dog is if they come back to me and quit. Right. 
So in a duck search for NAVDA, they've got to leave your side and hunt a pond, stick pond, whatever, and hunt it intelligently, cover good ground, and make bigger looping, you know, action across the pond to try and find a duck that you don't know where it is. You can't tell them where to go. They just have to have the instinct to go out and hunt and swim. Generally cross the pond all the way across and, like, just increase their search as they go. Right. Okay. If, let's say, Huey, for an example, who we did the UT and got prize one, perfect score, no big deal. Uh, if he ever would come back to me and, like, hunt my shoreline and come near me, I'd burn and put pressure back into the water. Right. Back, back, back. So Ooh. he knew that if it was not cool, it was uncomfortable, and I don't want to be around. And that, Right. And then he'd shoot back into the water, pressure's off, and I'd give him a real gentle good dog. Yep. Because if I was like, oh, good dog, a boy. He might turn around and spin at me and be like, what? Oh, I'm done? Okay. Yeah. So I just would be, hey, good dog. And he'd keep swimming out, and he'd stay out there, and then he'd find a duck. There's other times where I've, like, when he wasn't looking, I'd throw a rock out further towards the the duck, and he'd see the splash, and he'd drive, and he'd find it. But that's after a while, right? Like, I'm just trying to help him be successful. In a duck search, for me, it's all about success and them knowing no matter – how hard or long or challenging this is, I'm going to find this thing. Yeah. Uh, we had another really good question from Raymond. Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. And Raymond has a 12-week-old chocolate lab puppy, I believe you said, uh, Who and he's been throwing bumpers down a hallway with no distractions, and it's been awesome, and, he, and the puppy's all about it. Raymond goes outside, and it just does not happen. Puppy gets distracted and does not bring it back. Okay. Is there anything you can do? So this will be our last question um, because I still got to pack more. Uh, <laughs> you got to gotta move. Yeah, I got to move. Um, so this is a good question, and it's actually a very common one. People, and I was this way with Buck. I remember getting Buck and, and worried at his youth. Is he at where he should be at 12 weeks? Is he at, should he be further? Why isn't he doing this? Why is he doing this? And I would really worry, and then it turned out at a year old, he was doing everything above and beyond what I ever thought imaginable. So what I would tell Raymond is, your pup's 12 weeks. Keep working inside in the hallway, building that drive. Make sure in an instant like this, I want to, I've said it a million times in podcasts, but a lot of people will steady their puppy up and hold them back and, you know, make them be steady that's you want to build drive this is a baby in in a real if we were to take it in human words this is like taking a two and a half year old kid and being like why isn't it reading yet how come this thing you know can barely say words well because it's a two and a half year old child it's saying mama and juice and bell right. and beers <laughs> not see how i brought that back <laughs> you know see how i brought that no, back that's a good segue yeah albert's kid probably did God, Albert's just Albert, a winner. Just he's probably bleeds. listening to this podcast. He's probably laughing in your face. He, Albert, please leave us a review <laughs> on Instagram. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, anyways, I, why point, don't you come on the show, Albert? Now, anyways, my point is, Raymond, my, my advice is to relax with him, with the pup, enjoy him, build drive, maybe get a duck wing out of the freezer um, and tape it to the bumper Maybe try a squeaky toy. Just anything to get that dog fired up. 
and do it in the hallway a little bit more and and then take it out to the yard and do one and just and that one for two minutes i'm getting it chasing that bumper and really really getting excited and fired up for that bumper and then give it a short toss and then big time praise back waving another toy and getting him to have fun and come back and just when the puppy goes outside you're just so it's so engaged with you that you, you he's not going to wander off and sniff something else because you have so much enthusiasm in your voice and your um your body language and it just it's ready and i bet you in a month you're going to send me a message and be like hey he's doing great now because in a month he'll be a month older and you'll have you're still working and you're trying and all of a sudden it's going to click and the puppy's light bulb in his little brain is going to go off and be like, Ooh, I think I like retrieving in the house and the yard. And then now you're like, Hey, he hasn't swam yet. And I'll be like, Hey Raymond, he's still only three months old, you know, three and a half months old. Um, you know, he will build that drive. So my, my goal for everybody is build, retrieve, drive, teach, have fun, use some treats, high pitched voice. Everything is positive and let your puppy develop as they go. But that doesn't mean put them in a crate and pretend nothing ever is going to happen. You still got to work at it and, and mold them. But, you know, those are my suggestions. I think he's going to be just fine. Just build that drive and have fun and use some treats and you'll be good as gold, Raymond. All right, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. Be, f- be sure to uh, click the old five-star review, subscribe, tell a friend. Tag us in some Instagram stuff, at Lone Duck. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outers. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.